0: Welcome to Christmas Eve, a Christmas Eve like no other, virtually in our homes, not able to celebrate the way we're used to, not able to be fully with family. If you come from a church background or you come at Christmas, we usually love sitting together in church. Maybe you come from a tradition where you go to a more classic building with stained glass windows and lit candles. No matter where you're coming from or who you are, this is a Christmas Eve like we've never experienced ever a hundred years ago, when the world was experiencing the last major pandemic globally, the Spanish flu, the cases dropped just before Christmas Eve and most churches were able to open fully. But tonight, for most people in most churches, it's not going to happen this time. Yet, this Christmas Eve is much closer to the original one than we may have imagined or even thought about. That is why during this very unusual season, we decided to focus on Four iconic, famed images within the Christmas story. There's three major ones and a smaller one. The first is major. The the, the second one, the smaller one, is no room in the end. The third, the star. And now we arrive at the last image, the gifts given by the wise men to Jesus. Now, I shared this a few weeks ago. And maybe you haven't done church before or you've been invited for, by a friend virtually or you're sitting with a family member or, or, or a roommate in a condo or a house or an apartment building and listening. But let's all remember, these famous symbols weren't symbols at the beginning. They were just things. And then they became symbols, but they were first experienced in the dark. There was no global celebration, secular or spiritual. But they do point us back. They transport us back to a simpler more raw Christmas, and as we come to the last famous symbol tonight, what is even more amazing is where it actually takes place. Have you ever thought about this? This last Christmas moment takes place in a home with a family alone, just like all of us tonight, with under ten people. <laughs> the first gifts are given in dark, uncertain, dangerous times. Not with the whole world celebrating. Not with extended family. No lights. No Christmas trees. No malls. No Starbucks cups. No turkey. Just a house an isolated group of people. For us living in 2020, this extended season is pushing all of us to our limits. But in this moment of Advent and Christmas Eve, it also is pushing us back. As we just heard, well, things look and feel different this year. There's truth behind our traditions that are worth remembering and celebrating. This isn't about retreating from re- reality. This is an invitation to rediscover it. Okay, into the story. Two years has passed since no room in the inn and the manger and the shepherds and the angelic encounters. The wise men, you might not know this, have traveled traveled 900 miles, two years to find this little kid. And they arrive in Jerusalem and they talk to a very dangerous king and they consult the theologians of the day. And then it says in Matthew 2, 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And I shared this last Sunday. Overjoyed is such a strong word. Like winning the lottery, like battling cancer for years and suddenly getting that clean bill of health and ringing that bell, finishing a long journey, finishing a major work project. This pilgrimage was so worth it for them. They were finally going to find the person they'd been searching for. So they traveled the last 5.8 miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem to the very place where Jesus and his family lived. This was it, in a small little house. And it says in Matthew 2.11, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. So after two years of work and giving up money and jobs and time, what do they do? Their response is they worship Jesus. They worship a toddler, a two-year-old. Now, again, I know some of you don't ever do church. This is your first time. Some of you might belong to another faith, Muslim, Hindu. Maybe you're spiritual agnostic atheist. Maybe you've just become a Christian or you've been a Christian for a long time or you have Christian background. No matter who you are, let me just recap this so we're all on the same page. These kings of the East were scientists and New Agers mixed together. They were astrologers and astronomers. They blended faith and science. They were men of learning, men of spirituality. They had studied other faiths, including the Jewish faith. They would have been people of medicine, science, and technology. And the scandal that we miss in 2020, the disgrace, the shame, the outrage, the indignity in this moment is that non-Jewish religious pagan scientists were invited by God who set the star up to meet him. And when they come to Jerusalem to talk to those who knew God's word and were the theologians of the day, do you notice? They don't follow the wise men to see if the fulfillment of their faith has happened. In other words, the insiders don't care. It's the outsiders that need to find out. These powerful, wealthy, educated men come and they bow down before a toddler and worship him. Now this act actually goes beyond the gifts because this symbolizes the idea that Jesus' kingship is real and over all other kings and politicians. Now, here's the scandal. Mary and Joseph are not Jewish, Jewish ethnically. They're Orthodox Jews. And they know only God is to be worshipped. And they should have stopped these wise men from worshipping their toddler. That's blasphemy. That's wrong. But there's even more than that. These magi shouldn't be even in their home. You might not know this, but in Jewish theology and thinking, when a non-Jew came into a Jewish home, it contaminated the home spiritually. You became unclean by who you ate with or associated with. And so having these guys in the house is actually making them unclean before God. And worse off, they're involved in occultic practices astrology is forbidden in the old testament and even today in the new testament and in this time because by using that type of art or 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 access you're going around god and getting answers through other spiritual forces so this is all wrong the men shouldn't be worshiping a toddler that's blasphemy they shouldn't be in the house and they're involved in bad things and all this seems wrong unless unless the one who's the two-year-old running around sucking his thumb might be God in flesh himself. So real and honest was their act in this little home. Not only do they bow down and worship Jesus, they do something that has gone down in history as one of the most epic, iconic sort of things, symbols. They give gifts to Jesus, which of course is the tradition that we now have in Christian homes of giving gifts to each other on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because of this. It says that they opened their treasures and presented Jesus with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. Now, if you know anything about Near Eastern history, these gifts are not normal. These gifts are for royalty. And in each one of these gifts, we see why Jesus has come, who he is, and what he's about to do. These gifts are serious money. They make Tiffany's look like a dollar store moment here. Gold a gift worthy of kings. Jesus is the true king, not just the king of the Jews. He's the sovereign one, the ruler of the universe. Later, his best friend would call him in the book of Revelation, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Every person that has ever lived, when they die, they're going to face one person, Jesus. He's the king. Incense, if you grew up, maybe you heard it as frankincense, was this gum resin that was burned that smelled sweet. But what is so shocking is within Israel, 2,000 years ago, frankincense was only used in one place. In the temple in Jerusalem, to burn as an offering before God, actually the incense burn symbolized the prayers of God's people wafting up to God. And now this is given to Jesus. Again, this is pointing us to the reality. Jesus is more than prophet, more than teacher, more than toddler. Something else is going on here. The God who's worshiped in the temple might actually now be in this house. I mean, this is what John wrote in the beginning of his gospel in John 1.1. In the beginning, at creation, was Jesus, the Word. And the Word was with God, beside God, and yet the Word was God. Whoa. And later it says in verse 14, and the Word, Jesus, uh, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, Jesus existed before the manger, and Jesus isn't just beside God, he is God. Wow. And then myrrh, myrrh was used to embalm the dead. It was a spice and it was really expensive. And so this symbolizes that Jesus came to live, to die, to physically conquer death, to rise again. More than that, all of this was predicted over 700 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. I mean, these guys coming to this house. Isaiah 63, the nations will come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your dawn. And from Sheba, they will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord even before Isaiah, in the Psalms, during the time of King David. Psalm 72.10, The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tributes to him, and the kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. And the kings will bow down and the nations will serve him. Okay, let's go back to this epic moment in history. So they bow down and they worship the toddler. These powerful, wealthy, educated men, they come and they do this. Why is this important? Well, Most people on earth like Jesus as a person or idea. Many of us even think, yeah, I actually need someone to help me out and save me, so I'll accept him as savior. But to let him lead my life and be Lord and me humble myself, oh, that's different. But see, that's the point of Christmas. Almost every year, I use this quotation by a guy named Max Lucado. And he talks about this experience in Bethlehem, which I have had myself. He says, there's a small cathedral. Outside of Bethlehem, that marks the supposed birthplace of Jesus. Now, behind the high altar, there, in the church, there's a cave. It's a small little cavern lit by beautiful silver lamps. Now, you can enter the main part of the church and admire the ancient church. And by the way, I've been there. It's epic and awesome. You can even enter the cave. And on the ground, it, there's this silver star showing the supposed place where he was born. But there's one rule. There's one stipulation. You have to bow, bow down. You have to bend. See, the door is so low, you can't walk in standing up. And the same is true with Jesus. You, you can see the world standing tall. But to witness the Savior, to encounter the Savior, you have to get on your knees. And I love this. He wrote, so while the theologians were sleeping, and the elite were dreaming, and the successful were snoring, the meek, the humble, they're kneeling. They were kneeling before the one and only the meek will see. They're kneeling in front of Jesus. Again, man, again, no matter where you're coming from tonight, no matter who you are, again, you might belong to another formal faith, like Hinduism or or, or the Jewish faith or, or, or Islam. You might be spiritual or a Wiccan witch or a Zoroastrian. I, I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you're a spiritual, agnostic, atheist, you know, but the point of Christmas is not just to think about a nice idea or have a celebration with our family. It's actually like the wise men, not only to know that Jesus existed, but to go meet him personally and be changed by him. You want to know the real heart of the Christmas story? Since a lot of everything we take for granted has been stripped away. Here it is for God's love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in Jesus will not die, but have eternal life. Uh, For for God did not send Jesus in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. No matter how religious or unreligious you are, secular or spiritual, educated or uneducated, no matter beautiful or not, We all have to end up in the same place. Have you met God? Do you know him personally? Do you really want to embrace Christmas for real? Then you might be sitting again in an apartment building with a friend or in a condo or gathered as a small family in the living room. But if you have never encountered God through Jesus, then be like these scientists and these new agers who laid down all their understanding and all their experiences and encountered the more important one. Want to move from searching to faith? Here's how you do it. Dear God, pray this. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. So I get to know who you are. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me my whole life. And maybe I didn't even know it. Right now, this Christmas Eve tonight, God, I want to say, I need a savior to set me free from my sin, myself, my habits, my hurts, my hangups. And also from the death I will experience. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. My pride, my arrogance, my self-sufficiency. The dark stuff I've done. I repent, I turn. And I want to live for you. Jesus be the Lord of my life. Save me by your grace. I bow down like those wise men right now. And say, save me from my sin. And save me for your purposes. I want to learn to love you, Jesus. Trust you. And become what you want me to be. On this Christmas night, I move from knowing that Jesus is out there to saying yes to him personally. And I pray you this in Jesus' name. For us who have already said yes, just a parting thought. Isn't it amazing that God brings shepherds and scientific, occultic wise men and parents to worship Jesus? I mean, who keeps us all together to love each other in all of our diversity backgrounds? I mean, isn't that what church is all about, where Jesus calls and saves us, and we get to know God, and we gather around him, and he's the one who keeps us together? Don't forget that this season, especially with so much division going on. But the most important thing is this. This pared-down Christmas might be a gift, so we understand the original Christmas story just a little bit better. No room in the inn, inhospitable environment, yet light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't snuff it out. Remember, Christmas didn't begin at chapters or an indigo or the mall or a Best Buy. It started in some obscure part of the Roman Empire where life was cheap and life was not certain. Yet God moved then and God's moving right now. And don't forget, the reason why we're gathering tonight is to worship Jesus. To give thanks for God, to God for sending his son. And to be reminded, we're not alone tonight. Just like Jesus was with his mom and dad and those wise men, he is with us tonight. You might be alone tonight celebrating Christmas and there's no one with you. You're not alone if you're a Christian. Jesus is with you. We have a tradition here. And though we're all virtual, all around the world and all around Ontario, we need to do it. If you can grab a candle, it doesn't matter which one. You can even put this online on, on Instagram or on Facebook. Just grab a candle because we wanna end this series on the symbols with one last symbol. We're going to light a candle to represent that Jesus is the light of the world. The darkness is overcome by light. And as we do this together, as we light this, we're going to sing that amazing old worship song, O Holy Night, to declare that even in 2020, even in 2020, darkness is overcome, Jesus is Lord, and there's hope for the world. Let's sing together now.